Welcome to the Wealthy Money Property Podcast, your ultimate resource to unlocking your inner property guru and building a property investment portfolio. Now, introducing your host for the show. Hey, property magicians, how are you? Welcome to episode 118 of the Property Magicians Podcast. So if you've just joined us, my name is Vangile Makwakwa. I help women of color heal ancestral money trauma so they can fall in love with their bank accounts, increase income and live their best lives. You can find me on Instagram and LinkedIn, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter under Vangile Makwakwa. Find me on Facebook under Wealthy Money. I'm also the founder of Wealthy Money and the co-founder of the wow of the property magician stock file. so my fellow co-founder is my co-host dr miranda mulotto she is unfortunately not able to join us today but we have an incredible guest for you her name is malevo zuberman all the way from Botswana, and she is coming to share she is sharing with us about her property journey right but before i even tell you guys about my level and how exciting this entire podcast is let me just remind you guys that we are sponsored by the property magician stockfile so a stockfile is a collective investment scheme and we have created this incredible stockfile to start investing in property because we can do so much more as a collective than we can individually right and we can actually go so we can grow so much faster our mission is to have 250 million rands worth of properties by the end of 2025 so that is 17 million dollars worth of properties and have all those properties generating a passive income for all of our members in the stockpile so very exciting if this sounds like something you want to be part of which i hope you do right because even our guest in this podcast in today's podcast mentions the stockpile and how much he's been learning from the deals that we're making and we're very open and transparent we bring um, the investors to come share their knowledge then definitely check uh, check out the stock file if you are based in south africa namibia lesotho and swaziland you can download the Stockfella app. Stockfella is spelled S-T-O-K-F-E-L-L-A. Again, S-T-O-K-F-E-L-L-A. You can download the Stockfella app on iTunes, Google Play, and on Petal Search if you are, you are with Huawei. And you can just search for Property Magician Stockfell under Groups. Now, if you're not based on, in any of these countries, please don't despair because our guest today, Lebo, is from Botswana and she's part of the Stockfile. So to learn how to join the Stockfile, you can go to wealthy-money.com forward slash Stockfile. Again, wealthy-money.com forward slash Stockfile. Stockfile in this case is spelled S-T-O-K-V-E-L. Yes, again, S-T-O-K-V-E-L. So we look forward to seeing you in the Stockfile and for you to be part of this incredible journey of building generational wealth for your bloodline or just building wealth for yourself, right? So 
Without further ado, let us talk about today's uh, podcast with Levo. So Levo comes all the way from Botswana. I actually met her in um, the Stockfile WhatsApp group, although I later found out in the show that she bought my book a while back and she decided to follow me on Facebook. But she started talking on WhatsApp about her incredible property journey. And she then shared pictures. I asked to see pictures of a guest house that she was talking about and the pictures blew my mind stunning pictures the guest house looks like it's straight out of a magazine it looks like the stuff you see in movies and then she shared that um, she is also in the process of building 10 units on she's looking to build 10 units on a piece of land that she owns and that she also owns a two-bedroom development in Botswana she's here to share her journey and why this absolutely resonates with me is because she shares how she she actually got a lot of her investment knowledge from watching her mother. So even though she was a chartered accountant, she started observing what her mother was doing in terms of property. But she also then um, started, uh, deci she decided that she's going to approach the property investment journey with very little debt and just use cash to build. We use cash as much as possible and very little debt. So you guys are in for an incredible treat. So without further ado, I give you guys Lebo. Hi Lebo, welcome to the show. Hi Vangile, I'm excited to be here. Oh my gosh, it's so good to have you here. I know you and I went back and forth yesterday because <laughs> my time zones in Mexico, um, they've got me challenged, but I'm so mm -hmm. glad that you could make it. And we are, of course, missing Mizo. I am missing Mizo more than the guests even now. <laughs> Definitely, we are. <laughs> so... Tell us about yourself. So two sides of this question, right, is tell us what you do and then tell us who you are as a soul. How do you define yourself as a soul? Okay. Um, hi, my name is Maleboho. I'm 39 years old. Um, I am an accountant by profession. I'm a fellow chartered accountant by profession. Uh, having finished accountancy many, many years ago, um, I I work as a finance manager professionally, but I also venture into property on my part-time basis as this is something that I want to see myself going into and then just be able to ensure that I have an income at one point and not have to rely on my job on a full-time basis. Yeah. Mm, mm. And then tell us who you are. You told us what you do, but tell us how you define yourself as a soul. <laughs> okay. I'm a very easygoing person, fun-loving individual. Um, mm -hmm. I love challenges, and I like learning new things, and I, I share something in common with you, which is traveling. I love traveling. Oh. <laughs> I what's, what's your favorite country? Um... I'll have to say Bali. Oh, why Bali? Um, <laughs> so many I people love... say Bali. I don't understand it. 
we've I've never been to Bali, but I've seen the lifestyle in Bali and the way people live there and uh, the forest and the the lifestyle. It's it's calming. And obviously, those massages that you had when you were staying there almost every single day. Who wouldn't want to live a life like that? I mean. <laughs> Yes, I I did have epic massages in Bali. Actually, some of my best shiatsu massages are from Bali. But <laughs> it's funny, like Bali doesn't even rate in my top five countries. So I'm always fascinated by people. Like I don't even know if it makes it in my top, if it even makes it in my top ten countries. <laughs> That's okay. why I'm always fascinated by people's love for Bali. But Bali has its moments. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh wow! But yeah, no, I love that Bali is your favorite country. Definitely go there. The massages, real talk. The massages, especially the shiatsu massages in Samanyak, are worth t- getting on a flight for. I Absolutely. <laughs> and the food, wow. Mm, no, no, not for you. No. Balinese, I can truly say, and this is so interesting because I've had so many conversations with travelers and most of us are definitely clear that the food in Bali, not it, hey? (laughs) Not it. And you know, I'm a foodie, right? Absolutely. I am a complete foodie. When it comes to food, guys, I can promise you, you can trust me on food. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not, yeah, no, the food, actually, that's actually why it doesn't make it in my top 10. The food is one mm-hmm. of the most challenging. There are some really good restaurants here and there, but um, yeah, I, I don't know about the meat options, but as a vegan, I wasn't okay. blown away. But okay. we digress because we both love talking about traveling. Absolutely. Um, how did you end up here? Let's talk about your first property. What was that journey like? When you bought your first property, I'm wondering if, because you're an accountant, were you already thinking, one day I'm going to invest in real estate? Or were you thinking like most of us, myself included, I just want a roof over my head? Um, to be honest with you, I didn't think of it as something that I invested in it and said, I want to be a real estate investor in future. Mm. I just thought, as it is now, as an accountant, if I'm renting somebody's house, I would want to go and stay in my own house so that I can mm. then avoid paying the rental. So mm. I, I, bought, I bought the first, uh, it was just a, a stance that was not developed. That was about 10 or so years ago. Mm. And then I didn't immediately have money to develop it. Um, this was a plot that I had bought off actually from my brother who heard it and then mm. because he was doing other development projects he needed cash so he wanted to sell it and then made an offer to the siblings and say guys hang on I've got this plot anybody of you wants to buy it otherwise I'm gonna sell it to somebody else in the market and then I came in and said okay let me have a look at it I'll be interested but I won't be able to pay it off immediately and then we agreed on two months payment terms. then I purchased the property and I waited for like 10 years then, since then, because I could not afford to develop it. So that's how, waited that is how it waited 10 started. years? Yes. Okay. So, you're, so you, were, you bought this for yourself to live, to, buy, to build a house yes. to live. 
Yes. That is so, so interesting. So what was that like in that 10-year period? Why did you, I'm assuming you could have qualified for a home loan, but you chose not to. So why did you decide rather to wait 10 years than go to the bank, get a home loan and develop it? I think for me, the way I looked at it was that this was a property that I said, it didn't really cost me a lot of money. And then when I looked mm. at the, from that time until the 10 year period, I, I just thought, let me focus on other projects that could actually mm. maybe bring me income. That is when I started mm. thinking of other things other than property. I looked at options oh. such as shares. I looked at other oh. options rather than just property because part of me mm. was like property would require a bigger chunk of money, which I'll probably need to raise over a period of time. Oh, okay. But I'm very fascinated. Why did you choose? Because you could have used your payslip to get a mortgage. So why was that not a conversation? Why was that not an option that you considered? Okay, I think uh, somehow at one point, I did consider that. But um, initially, I would call this my second property, but it was my first personally, because the initial Mm -hmm. first property was actually a property that I developed with my mom and my sister. What happened was that my mom had a plot in in, in town, and then she had another one in the village. The one in the village, she didn't have money to develop it. I was working, so I ended up taking a loan, and then we partnered up, and we built two two two-bedroom units in that particular property. So the loan was for five years. So those five years, I was paying off the, the property. It took us about 12 months for us to build it, because mm. uh, we, were put, we were using part savings and part loan that I took from me. Mm. So we built that property and then when it finished, then we started getting the rentals and then I took the rentals and I was paying back the loan with part of the rental. So I think I became too preoccupied with the initial one that I had done. So when I got to the second one, I'm saying the second one, but it was initially my first one because that one was my mom's property. When I got to this mm. one, I looked at how much it costed me for the loan that I took for that other property. And I felt like, mm. you know what? It was not worth it for me to have taken a personal loan over five years. And I ended up paying, the interest was close to 27% the annum that I had paid. What? Yep. 27%? Yep. So I looked at it and said, hang on, this would not necessarily make sense for me. Hence why when I bought this plot from my brother, I then waited and said, I'm going to be trying to see how I can raise enough capital to be able to put a structure for myself on this particular plot. So, yeah, that is how it went about. Wow. So I think that this is a very interesting conversation to have because level your base in Botswana, right? So um, this was... You chose this loan at twenty five at twenty seven percent. Would a mortgage have been cheaper, like Definitely. the interest rate? Yes. But why did yes. you decide to go with a personal loan for the first property? Um, I think, to be honest with you, I wasn't as financially um, literate enough. I'm an accountant, yeah. but that doesn't automatically mean that as an accountant you are financially literate enough to be making such decisions and understanding the implications of lack of knowing how finances operate. And I sure, thought, you just said a sermon. 
You yeah. just said a sermon because, you know, everyone, lives, most people listening, most of us believe, even though I studied finances, this is my same situation, right? This is how I yeah. ended up $60,000 in debt because I didn't have the financial literacy. And you would think, you go, you do a master's in finance, you must have this knowledge. Here you are, you're saying like, you're a chartered accountant, you go, you do this, and there's that gap. So what did you do to like, you know, how did you then close that gap between formal education, which is schooling, and I like my favorite quote is from Mark Twain. Mark Twain says, I never let my schooling get in the way of my education. And I definitely feel like that has been my journey with money is that I Absolutely. had to basically pack my degrees and be like, it's been lovely, but now we need to go get a proper education by really being in the trenches and learning and learning from others like life the school of life is true education absolutely <laughs> that that is that is absolutely very true what led to me to also see the implications of that particular cost was when i had to i used to have a spreadsheet then the mm. spreadsheet i used to record how much was my rental and how much was going out mm. towards the loan repayment and then when mm. i calculated then i realized that you know what with this amount of money, I could have actually saved in the last time and then maybe waited and then developed this particular property. Mm. But again, I think the other complication that brought about this issue was that this was not my plot. It was not my property. So for me to have considered putting it yeah. on mortgage, it meant that I needed to put it under my name. And obviously mm. it was not mm. mine. I was actually helping my mom develop it. So I think those mm. were my two conflicting issues, hence why I ended up choosing uh, the personal loan, although it was an expensive option, but for me, I felt it was a much better and easier route to get out of that. And obviously, having taken those lessons from that, then I moved on to say, with my next property, what is it that I'm going to do differently mm. than what I did there? Then I already knew from the beginning that loan in particular as a personal loan is not going to be an option for me. Mm. I also realized that when you get a loan, even as a personal loan, you don't get a contractor or a builder and tell him, I'm financing through loans because their prices will be loan related. Oh Don't my gosh. Yep. Wow. So you always have to tell them you're doing it cash. You are doing well, it and try and negotiate also. So those were some of the learning curves that I, I got from the first development property. I think I would say the other thing also that I learned, my mom had back rooms in our house in town. Mm. So she has a total of seven as we speak, but she started in eventually with two and then added the third one and the fourth one and the fifth one. And then she did that through savings. Hence why then mm. I got the learning curve to say, when I'm going to be developing my next, I don't necessarily have to be developing something bigger. One, I could do mm. it in stages and start with one unit, the second one, and keep adding with my savings as and when I was able to do that. Yeah, so. Yeah, this is such valuable information. And I think I've shared in last week's podcast that like I've just bought land in the Cape and I'm in the process yes. of building 10 bachelor units. Everything's happening as I'm in Mexico, which is <laughs> my first real development. But then like yes. I've renovated my entire apartment in the Cape and done so many things around property, not being in South Africa. 
but it's just hearing this and I wanted, I'm doing everything cash, you know, and I go back and forth with myself because I paid cash for the land. So I was like, I paid, um, I negotiated down from 250 to 230, which actually when you add in transfer fees, it ends up being like 250 and now I want to develop cash yeah. as well. So what you're saying and how you reach the same conclusions are the same conclusions that I reached when I did the math, right? So, wow, I love that. I love that we're having this conversation because someone else may reach a different conclusion because they Absolutely. feel differently about things. And neither one, neither one of these conclusions is wrong. It just depends on who you are as a person and what feels good to you. So, for me, I resonate deeply with you because this is how I've been thinking, right? Okay. And I remember we actually had a WhatsApp conversation about this. <laughs> so I'm like, yes. yeah, so. Um, yeah, so, so moving on to the, the other. Yeah, I was going to say, so you bought the property, the first property, you waited for 10 years. Then how did you get into property investing? Okay, then what happened was that I, I had another property which was right in the suburbs um did a development on it and then when i was doing the computation of the math i was able to see that um it would be better to actually i developed it from finance self-finance and then i reached a point where i needed certain things to finish it off then i took a mortgage because i knew already at that point that between personal loan and mortgage a mortgage will be cheaper because it's mm. got collateral so then mm. i made a decision and i took the the mortgage on this particular property which is in town and then it was a five bedroomed house. I was gonna move in there with my husband. We were just the two of us, we didn't have kids yet. And then eventually I, I thought about, is this really worth it to go and live in a five bedroomed house when there's only two people? And then I said, you know what? I love that. I love that way of thinking. Is it though? Like, I mean, you only need one bedroom or two bedrooms maximum. <laughs> Absolutely. And then this is where the idea that came to me to say, I could actually rent off this place and an extra income. So then what I did was I did turn it into a domestic guest house. It's got all five bedrooms, all en suite, and it's got an additional um, back room at the back. And mm. I converted that into a domestic guest house and then got all the- What is a domestic guest house? How does that differ from a regular guest house? Okay, um, in Botswana, when COVID started, the government looked at the spaces in terms of development and, and reached a consensus to say, a lot of people have big houses, but they're not able to commercialize or use it for commercial purposes because they need special licenses. Now we're going to have an exemption where we would not need people to commercially run the business in a commercial space. It can be a residential place, but we will give them an allowance to actually turn it into a domestic guest house where they can earn extra oh. income from the extra space without necessarily converting the land use and everything. So you are allowed to use it as it is and then just help yourself to earn extra income. That is incredible. Honestly, every time I hear about the Wutana government, I'm just like, wow, like your government really does think ahead. Yeah. Like, I love it. This is such yeah. a beautiful opportunity. So I'm assuming, because we have so many Tswana listeners here, um, yeah. I'm assuming that like, it's an easier process than rezoning. You just go straight, Absolutely. 
happening in a matter of weeks or days and then you just get started instantly yes and they actually do allow you as the owner to actually reside on the premises so they're not going to kick you out they wow. allow you to be the resident manager there and then yeah you can run it so eventually that's what i did i decided you know what i've got a bedroom at the back i've got five bedrooms in the main house all on suite so i may as well use those um to be enemy extra income so i did the process and obviously i felt it was more important for me to now separate my personal money from the business money so i registered a company mm -hmm. then yeah. registered the business and then opened a Facebook page for it, and then uh, registered it, listed it on Airbnb, and then listed it on Booking.com, and hired separate people who are doing the management and administration of that business because I've got a full-time job, so I'm not going to be getting calls to answer clients to tell availability or not. I've got somebody specially dedicated to do that for me, and then we work hand in hand, assisting each other here and there. And yeah, so that's how I had to do it. I opened a separate bank account for it and it is an area that i've never been in tourism before but some of the business learnings that i realized as a person who's got property letting out to people was the issue of when somebody comes and they want accommodation you must understand the business you cannot give it to credit you cannot give it to people on credit that was very clear regarding my terms. you come to my property you want accommodation you need to be choosing whichever room you want and then have a look at it if you want to get, take it all. And then once you want to, to, to lodge in, you have to pay in advance. And then mm. I'll give the occupancy for the room and then we clear it out. So it was one of the things that I, I liked most that I don't have to give people credit. Mm. Yes, of course. I mean, this yes. is, you always pay in advance for any place that you're going to rent. Booking.com, Airbnb, normal rent, right? So um, how quickly did you find ten a tenant as soon as you renovated? And I'm assuming that you said you did this mortgage and cash, right? Mortgage yes. and savings. Yes. Yes. I think as a, as a domestic guest house, um, it's, I think within a week of opening, mm. it, was, it was already picking up and it was quite busy. Um, okay, some of the challenges were the restrictions of the times for the lockdown period and then the movement restriction timelines were put up and they were a bit of a challenge. However, it did start up very well and then um, it gave me confidence. I sat down the first month, second month, I know on an average that I'm able to get between 2,000 US dollars to about 3, 3.5, 4,000 US dollars a month only as wow. a particular property. Yep. Wow, so, that is incredible. And yep. is it mainly locals coming through or are you getting now that, especially now that borders are opening up, are you seeing a pick up in tourism and tourists coming through? Definitely. I see quite a lot of improvements um, in the first, this particular year. There's been a significant increase of most of the foreigners that are coming through, whether it's from South Africa, from Zimbabwe, from other countries. Um, that has been a significant change that I see. But when it comes to weekends, mostly our 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 clients are mostly our citizens and residents here. Yeah. Mm, I love that. And you said that you're using Facebook to market the business. Definitely, I do that. Yes. Awesome. Okay. And then, um, so I know that you did this. And then, how? What was your next step after this with your next property? 
Okay, the next step was to develop that particular property that I had that kept for 10 years that was not developed. Mm -hmm. So I developed it. I developed it from funding cash this time around. And um, sure. I made sure that what I did was I, 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 I decided this time around, I'm going to write every single thing. I'm yes. going to have a notebook where I'm going to be writing the cost of every single thing that I'm incurring. And then I'm going to also be tracking my expenditure. I'm going to have a budget that I'm saying I'm going to use. For example, if in a month I'm able to spend 20000 on that particular property, I will put the 20000 aside and then I will list the items that I need to purchase and make sure that I get them and get them delivered to site. And then mm -hmm. I made sure that even if I was putting petrol to go to site, I would put the receipt and account for it so that I know in the end, at the, at the end of the project, how much has been my total cost. Um, I think the property took about four or five months to finish. It is a two-bedroom wow. property, which then when I finished, I was able to rent it out to somebody. They're paying an equivalent of about two, $270 a month for that particular property. Yeah. Mm, but part that of the things incredible. that I also had to do uh, with tenanting, I, I initially rented it out to somebody who paid rent the first year and I was happy, I didn't have issues, then subsequent to that, lost their job and could not afford to pay the rental. Mm. I struggled with, with getting them evicted because I cannot evict somebody without a court order. Sure. So you've gone through the eviction process. What was that like emotionally? It was taxing, but I think what saved me was before we could even go to the court process, eventually she decided that you know what i'm gonna go because i found something somewhere and then she, she left and but that did not come without consequences because uh in botswana previously our meter for water and electricity both used to be postpaid yes but the electricity now is prepaid but the electric yes. the water was still postpaid so when she left these were some of the things I had to deal with also with the issue of the bill or the water that was unpaid. And obviously, I cannot put in a new tenant that has not yet, I, when I have not yet cleared the existing bill. And sadly, yeah. the bill was still under my name. Oh, man. So you had to deal with that. Yes. And then what I learned from the whole process was that I understood that when I move somebody in, into the property, it is important that I get somebody who can help me with what are the requirements, especially people in the real estate industry that know what does getting a property mean and what does getting a tenant into a property mean. Um, luckily, mm -hmm. I, I worked for a, a, a property company before and interacted with some of my colleagues in that. And there were certain issues that they shared with me in form of template to say, before you move somebody into a house, you need to clean it, paint it, and do an inspection and come up with an inspection report. And then mm. when the person comes before they move in, you go through the items together and verify this lock is okay, the painting is fine, everything is working, the bulb, the lights, the stove, the hoover, everything is working, and you both sign off. And then there has to be a lease agreement that is in place. And the lease agreement has to be very clear regarding when is the rental due. There's no, there's no thing as, there's no such thing as Rental is due before the, 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 the mid-month or before the 10th of the following month. You need to be clear of when you want your rental to be due and paid by when. And specifically state how the mode of 
payment should be. You cannot say to somebody, rental is due on the first. And then on the first, you don't even know if they're going to send you e-money or they're going to put into your account or they will say, I've got the cash, I want to bring it to you. So those are some of the things. Can you imagine though? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So those were some of the things I had to make sure that in the lease agreement, they are captured. And then also issues such as dispute resolution. I'm glad because I ended up realizing that as although I'm an accountant, I don't know everything about property. So I had to engage a lawyer who then did a lease agreement for me. And mm -hmm. they said to me, look, these are some of the areas you did not cover. But because yes. I'm a lawyer and I'm charging you a fee, this is a prerequisite. This is important. Security deposit. Mm -hmm. What is the purpose of the security deposit? What happens if they don't pay? And then it's advisable to make sure that they put the utilities under their name using the lease from the time yes. they open the lease. Yes, totally. Yep. Whew, this is such a great learning curve. So yes. I love that you did this and that you did it. And did you use some of the money that you'd been putting aside in shares and everything to be able to develop the two-bedroom unit? Yes, definitely. I, I did that. And also what I realized um, going forward that I could do as a learning curve is sometimes we underestimate the cost of building. Mm. And also, if we are not firm enough and your contractor makes a mistake, they should be held liable for that particular mistake. You should yes. not be paying for such mistakes. Yes, So those exactly. were some, some of the things that I also learned to say, sometimes cheap is expensive. Cheap is expensive. I mean, like, I've always said this to people that, like, honestly, cheap is hella expensive. <laughs> You know? yep. So, and you need, and sometimes you need to go. I also feel here's a big thing. So, the contractor that I'm using in the Cape, I went and I saw multiple buildings. I went on site as they were building. Like, I was explaining my plans as they were Absolutely. building, you know, and the neighbors came and were listening to me ask questions. And then afterwards, they came and they told me his work style. I realized like it's important to go see how a person is perceived by people who okay. have worked for them and also to see what they have done for other people. You very, know? very so important. Super, super important because especially because most of us here are not contractors. And I think that we don't, we're new to this and development is a whole thing on its own. So Lebo, if mm -hmm. I'm not mistaken, you also have another 10 unit guest house in Botswana. No, uh, the one that I have in Botswana is only five. The five, five units. Yes. It oh, that's the one that you sent people. me pictures of. Yes. It has oh a my gosh, that is stunning. Thank you very much. <laughs> I didn't realize it. Guys, it looked huge, but like it looked like it came straight out of a movie set. It's the Thank kind you. of guest house that you see in movies and in magazines. Like you sent me those pictures and I was blown away. Thank you very much. The next property that I want to develop is the one with the multi-units, which then I said maybe yeah. I will kickstart with the 10 units. Um, I will see how oh, it goes. Oh, that's where the 10 units comes from. Yes, that is where it is coming from. Um, it's, it's, it's a, this one is particular, the, the, the zoning is different. It's for multi-family development. Um, mm -hmm. And this is the one that I want to consider development into. 
and I'm mm. still working around to see what best to do it. And obviously, I'm using the learning curves from everything that I've done to see mm. how best I can do it and get value. Mm. Have you bought the property yet? The land. Yes, the land. So you've bought the land? Yes, I would say I bought it, but the price of that land was how much? Maybe $27. I got it for free from government. So I paid only these fees of 270 pulas. So it's like $27. How? What they did is um, we have land that is commercial land where yeah. because it's supposed to be allocated to different people you then need to put up a tender bid for it like they would advertise it and say there is 10 plots for example four for guest yes. houses two for multi-leds and then one for civic and community for example and then you have to do a proposal and then the best evaluated proposal for each particular one gets to actually get allocated that particular land so yeah that is what i did i've been i've been doing the the, the applications quite for many years I never got some and this this is the one that i got i've had it now for just over a year and a half almost two years so yeah That's wow so you're doing you want to do 10 multi-lets tell us more you don't know who's listening who has the money who wants to partner with you <laughs> yes eventually I'm, I'm thinking of of doing not necessarily 10 10 would be like the initial ones i'm thinking mm. of going to about maybe 16 or 18 units when I do the, the, the calculation with the planner, we're able to see that we could actually get to about that amount of units, which are one bedroom units. Um, so um, I've developed the plans for it. And then I'm just finalizing the issues of dealing with the structural engineer, the soil test. And then I'll definitely be moving into the project of valuing the land and then seeing what options I have, whether it would be wise to consider getting a commercial development or loan. Or it would be something that I could partner with anybody who would be willing to come into place and say, let's see, let's enter into a development agreement and then see how we can best harness this to be able to get value for money from the whole development. Mm, this is incredible. I love it. <laughs> so, Levo, you've shared your learnings and your journey with us. But could you tell us who have, as you've been on this journey, you've realized that you needed, um, you needed a lawyer. Who else have you then brought into your team, onto your team or your tribe? And how do you work with them? Okay, I, I realized that um, people sometimes assume because somebody's an accountant, they deal with money. They know yeah. everything from A to Z. We don't necessarily do know those things. It's best yeah. to give it to experts, then they can advise. So mm. in, in, in property, what I've learned to be very key and important, first is the lawyer and then realtor, because you want yeah. somebody who's going to say to you, do you want to build one bed or two beds? And what is the town planning uh, developments that are coming up in the next five, six, 10 years, 20 years? And also, what is the current demand for what you want to build? There's no purpose in going to build a three bedroom units when the students need one bed units. And, or the professionals need one bed units and they can easily afford that. You don't want to build something that will end up not giving you the income that you aspire to get, or you don't want to target the wrong crowd for what you're supposed to do. So it is very, very key to have um, those people and architects and then builders. And then obviously just um, 
people that are dealing with interior decor design so that you don't just do something that is too ordinary at the same time but again yeah. you don't want to blow out your budget but you definitely need help so i've got a a, a a clan of people i've got a friend who's also in real estate so we share quite yes. a lot of ideas and then when he's Lovely. moving somewhere he can say come have a look at this and then i immediately get into a place and say oh this room must be four by five he said more or less you are very right about it i i know yeah. what is a small room what is a medium room and what is a big room so yes. those are some of the things that i've realized were being very very helpful especially if you're a woman and want to go into construction it's not easy because you don't necessarily know everything even if you're an engineer mm. so i've realized that it's yes. important to get people that are in the industry that you want to go into and then also look at other people in the market that are doing something maybe similar that you can tap into the mm. knowledge from maybe they get mentorship from people that are yes. of big properties or that are in the neighborhood that you see they're doing well and you you like to emulate them and then just try and find out what is it that they're developing are they willing to share with you their learning curve uh, how important is it that you you when you build with a contractor you enter into a legally binding agreement mm -hmm. that is signed mm -hmm. but before that my mom did not do it with those contracts she just got a builder from the the village and said come build this room for me and let it look like this you know this is how so, it's done you know this yeah. Yeah. So as you building your property in Cape Town, you definitely have to engage more professionals, and you have to verify and say, does this person have a professional indemnity cover? Does this person have certain covers that, in case something goes wrong, I'm actually not left hanging in there, not knowing what to do. So it is very key and important yes. to get people that are in the same industry of what you're doing. Mentorship is very very key, and also it's okay mm. to acknowledge that you don't know and ask. That is how I figure out things and get to realize that. I get better. Amen. Amen. Like, I genuinely love that. So I love that you mentioned architects, you mentioned contractors, you mentioned that you have friends that you can rely on. Actually, I hired one of the podcast guests. She's the one that sold me the property to be my mentor because she's gone through this. So then she's now telling me, this is the next step. This is what we're doing. So I actually bought her land. And so she's getting to develop that land for me and work with me. And she's mentoring me in the whole process. So we've had to go through. It's just been in, incredible getting advice because at first it was like, do we keep the old structure or would it be more beneficial to just demolish everything and then just start planning to move forward? And do we yep. start with rezoning? Where do we go right now? All that, all these are very, very key conversations. But again, you wouldn't know what you don't know, right? Because this is my first time. I mean, like I've got a, a lot of knowledge from the podcast and I've done other things, but this is like literally building from scratch. It's not like when I'm renovating or when I've done renovations and all that other stuff. It's different. Yep. So I'm very interested. My final question is, do you have an accountant? As an accountant, are you doing your own accounting for your property business or did you hire someone to help you with your property accounting? Okay, I do have a firm of accountants, but I do okay. hire somebody specifically to have developed the spreadsheet and how they upload the information in it. Mm -hmm. They enter the records in there and then I just verify and check. I'm not going to be able to do everything. I don't think it will be fair yes. for me to think that I can do everything. As much as I'm an accountant, at first it's tempting to want to do it yourself, but you eventually realize and reach a point where you need help. And it's okay yes. to help, and it's fine, because it helps release 
the most valuable time you have to focus on things that are key. Mm. I love that. I so, so love that. Thank you so much for sharing. I feel very full and satiated. And I think we can move on to the next segment of the show. On to the next segment of our show, magical feedback from our hosts, where our hosts share their three takeaways from today's episode. Hey, property magicians. So welcome to um, Magical Feedback. So this is the part of the show where we give our three feedbacks um, on what we've learned from interviewing our guests. And we're really hoping that you guys also write down your own feedback and for yourself so that you always have it, right? Like we have tons of incredible guests. So Wow, where do I start? So my first feedback is a feedback that I'm very, very passionate about, right? So my takeaway, um, this is just, uh, for me, when I'm thinking about it, it's how it's often come up in this show that property investors or even people that go on the entrepreneurial journey do so because they observe their parents going on this journey, right? And then they took it a step further. So Lebo is no different. She observed her mother. She saw how her mother was building back rooms. She saw how she was with money, how she didn't feel the need to do everything at once, how she waited until she had enough money, and then she built slowly. Basically, her mother started where she was. So really, really powerful because obviously the work that I do is around um, helping people heal ancestral money trauma so that they can actually build generational wealth. And the first thing that I always say to people when they come to me when and they ask, like, how can I get my children to be better with money, to do better with money than I did. And I always say, be better. <laughs> You're the one that that has to be better and to do better with money uh, because your children are going to observe you and they're going to do exactly what you're doing. And I think most often we don't realize how our behavior and modeling the way is actually more powerful than anything that we tell the next generation. So Lebo is living proof of that, right? That even as an accountant, she was observing what her mother did and she decided to follow suit. Now this works both ways. What we see in terms of positive behaviors from our parents were more likely to be loyal to that, right? And then what we see in terms of negative behaviors in any area were more likely to be loyal to that as well. So it's a catch 22. So if we want to build, if we want our children to build generational wealth and to do better, we have to work on ourselves and do better because they're going to model that. And I feel like we've seen that in so many podcasts, right? So that is my first takeaway. My second takeaway is what Lebo said, right? Which is still sitting with me. She said, just because she was a chartered accountant doesn't mean she was financially literate, right? And I think for most of us, we kind of like our titles and our job titles, we allow those to basically restrict us because we think that, well, I should know because I studied finance. I should know because I studied economics. I should know because 
I studied chartered accounting, right? But the truth is that you don't know what you don't know. And the schooling system is actually, the education system and the schooling system has never been invested in our personal empowerment, right? In our self-empowerment. The entire system has been invested in keeping us employed, in creating employees, right? Nothing wrong with that. But if we are going to be the ones that are going to set ourselves free and do the most for the next generation, we have to be willing to go and learn more beyond schooling. We have to go and get our own education. Like Leva talks about how she, um, she read books, how she started following people, how she listened, uh, how she's being just on this journey, right? And obviously right now she's, in the stock file and she's constantly learning. So we have to be the ones that take control of our own education. And yes, I literally repeat that quote by Mark Twain constantly, because I think it's very, very dangerous that we have limited education to just a degree. Whereas like I have found on my travels anyway, that um, education is so much more than a degree. It's literally living amongst different people, like learning different languages, like experiencing different cultures, experiencing different food. All these things change us. They change the way we look at the world and how we then approach life and our finances so super important and i love it um and then my final takeaway is just around like um i really really like how i label bought her piece of land from her brother right it was i feel we have a lot of sibling rivalry especially in south africa and i think that if as siblings we can give it we can help each other build generational wealth, we will actually go further. So if, if I mean, sometimes there are family relationships that just can't be mended. So if the people in your circle can hold space to help you grow, your friends, all that, like they bring opportunities to you, that's life-changing, right? So I genuinely like that. So my takeaway is that even before, if you know that you've got some an asset that you want to sell, and we heard even in last week's podcast how Polly shared that like um, her father-in-law sold them a house, and just that relationship helped so much. So the power of the people in your immediate circle being the people that are pushing you forward. I feel like that can never ever be underestimated having the people that are right here with you your immediate circle be the ones to offer you opportunities and open up doors for you super powerful i mean i've seen it with knox right i can't even remember what episode knox is but just i like for me that just touches me because is like I know she knows I wanted township uh, development, how I feel about it, listening to the podcast and then just stepping in and being that person. And in return, I was like, no, you can't do this for free. I'm going to hire you to be my coach so that you also get something from that. So that like the people in your networks, you get to grow with them and by 
offering each other opportunities, there can be something incredible that shifts and opens up. So my huge takeaway is the power of your immediate tribe and how having a tribe that is invested in your growth is so, so important. It is important to pushing you forward and catapulting you. So yeah, without further ado, let's move on to the next segment of the show. Now on to the journey to magical expansion, where we ask our guests the same five questions we ask every guest. Okay, so guys, this is the journey to magical expansion. This is the part of the show when we ask our guests the same five, well, the same six questions we ask every guest on the show. So we're going to start with what is Nisa's favorite question is, <laughs> what is the book that changed your life, level? Oh, Vangile, it's your book. You know how I bought your book? <laughs> I, was actually, I was actually in an airport, I think, in South Africa. And then I saw your book, and it was there, and you were there glowing. And I'm like, she's talking about wealth. I'm like, help. I got the book. <laughs> and I didn't immediately read it. It took me another two or so months before I could read it. And mm -hmm. I knew that I needed to find you on Facebook and follow you <laughs> and join your challenges. And I was inspired. If you remember, I'm one of the people that actually, when I saw a newspaper advert in Botswana, I started chatting and I saw your face. I said to you, yes. oh my God, this is you. <laughs> so guys, there's this whole thing that is going on. I took pictures in Chiang Mai, Thailand, a Thai friend of mine, asked me if I would pose for pictures. So actually, it's a funny thing. Those pictures, I have no makeup. I have nothing, right? Like, I think you can see on the pictures that, like, you know, I don't have anything. And we're at a coffee shop. So, like, those pictures of me on the laptop and everything. My friend is there. She's like, let's do this. It's just going to be really chill. Let's meet at a coffee shop. Cool. Let's meet at a coffee shop. She's like... We're in the middle of having, like, I'm having tea, she's having coffee. She's like, this is a good time to start taking pictures. So then she's just taking pictures of me and she's like, man, play on my laptop, look like you're working with a credit card. And those pictures are now everywhere. Absolutely. <laughs> like the most unplanned thing. And I had no clue until Levo sent me the pictures to be like, are you aware this is happening? And then suddenly I realized, Standard Bank had me on their thing and in South Africa in Botswana and now APSA has me. And I'm just like, this is the most random thing because none of this was planned. I think that's also why when people are like, are you going to do something about these pictures? And I'm just like, these were stock photos. If ever there was a more chilled thing, but I also think it's such a fascinating thing for me to observe because I do think that this is going to lead to some interesting experiences in future because honestly, people could have seen that those pictures took like 15 minutes. They weren't even extra takes, nothing. It was just, wow. didn't even get time to put on lipstick, nothing, because it was just spontaneous. So I find this so fascinating. And then afterwards, we're like, this feels good. Should we get in a car and go to Chiang Mai University and do something in the park? And that's where, like, my, <laughs> with my, so then I changed into a different dress. 
And then that's what we did. Yeah. So, so thank you for that. Because without so you, you wouldn't have known. You connect with money very well. So I see. So I'm happy to hear that. Um, I would say the other book that I read, I, I like to read uh, books for women of color. I think they give me quite a vibe regarding um, similarities in our the way we were raised and everything. And then the other book that I really enjoyed that even challenged me also was the book by uh, Nicolette Machile. I don't know if you mm, yes. No, what's not yet, but yeah. What's your mood is the next? It, it's it's the book that I also read. So yeah, I am I'm, I'm quite very inspired. And in in your teachings, I was able to also understand the association of money and the warmth and the traumas that we've been through and the importance mm. of just being calm and learning through what we're feeling and just acknowledging mm. the feelings that we have and, and making sure that we actually become very firm regarding what we want and what is expected of money. And obviously mm. there's borders also around the issues of uh, the black tax that we normally pay for our families mm. and relatives and friends and, and how we should handle it in a better way. Yeah. So My next be- book is all about family dynamics and money and black tax, <laughs> you know. It's, yeah, like I'm, I'm really excited to bring it out soon. Um, I feel like waiting. Mexico, yeah, Mexico is like aiding with that. Um, but mm-hmm. what keeps you inspired, Levo? Um, I think um, in my journey to prosperity and wealth creation, I admire people that live within their means or below their means. Mm-hmm. Your type of the millionaire next door kind, because mm-hmm. you live your life without pressure and you, mm-hmm. you are focused. You know what yes. you want and you set yes. your targets and you work on them and you check areas where you're not going right and come up with ways to rectify and do things better. So for me, I think those principles are what is very key and important to me to say, I need luxury, we want, but delayed gratification is very, very key and being able to wait for the right time. Everything will come mm. eventually. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I love what you're saying. Delayed gratification, taking your time, all that. So, so key. Um, I'm not like, I really believe in living according to your values more than living in <laughs> within your means, as you all know. But yeah. I get what you're saying. Really, really powerful stuff. So um, what do you think you still need to learn within property? Oh, actually, the next question is, what do you wish you had known before you started this journey? Okay, I think I wish I found a mentor prior to any starting of development who is probably mm-hmm. in the same industry that was mm-hmm. going to lead me on because then I could use their learning and get yes. to not make as many mistakes as, as, as the mm. ones that I've made. And I think also reading is important and reading to understand, not just reading. Yes. And I think people, I, I wish I knew that as an accountant, I don't know everything. And that being yeah. an accountant doesn't make you financially literate from the beginning. <sighs> that is, yeah, no, that's a word. Like, I studied finance and then I did my MBA precisely because I thought along the lines that doing these, uh, studying this is what is going to make me financially literate. 
right? Yeah. And this is what's going to help me manage money and deal with money. I mean, just realizing that actually the best way to learn how to manage money is actually your own personal stuff. Like personal finances means getting into your personal stuff <laughs> and your own drama and understanding yourself. And then looking as you did, tracking expenses, observing your thinking, coming to conclusions about what works for you, what doesn't work for you, even if the whole world is telling you mortgage is the best thing, coming yeah. to your own conclusion as to why that is not the best thing for you. Even if everyone is saying it's the best thing, it is a path. It is not the path, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it took me a while to also get there. Yeah. So I, I understand what you, what you mean. And what do you think you still need to learn in property? When you're looking and you're thinking about the next development, what are some of the things that you're like, I definitely need to learn more about that moving forward? I think with different types of properties, you then see that you've got one in tourism, in my case, being the guest house. There's also multi-lets to consider. And then in future, mm -hmm. there is other commercial spaces, commercial spaces that could be informal um buildings for shops buildings for maybe like a crash or something like that and then you run it or something and earn an income because those markets are always available so i think for me is to try to look at things differently as opposed to only what i've done and what i know is to look at other portfolios within the property that could actually work better and just mm -hmm. expand the net and not think that you need to be investing in the country that you are in only. I mean, the amount of, of learning I'm getting, reach. the <laughs> amount of learning I'm getting from the Leroy's inspirational uh, development and everything, mentoring process, those are some of the things that you get somebody's technical expertise and let you know that you know what? There's People don't know what you're talking about when you're like Leroy six, because not everyone is in the stock now. <laughs> My apologies. I figured that. But like the property stock though, then gives a guidance and idea regarding what investing involves. And obviously the fact that you are pulling money with other people, you are able to tap into other people's expertise and knowledge, which yes. on your own would not necessarily be able to do and figure out. Right. I'm also enjoying the property stock file because we like when we got to um, listen to Isaac and listen to Leroy and listen to Lebohang and they talk us through why they are structuring the deals the way they are. We're, we're basically, you know, like in the Karate Kid where you're like being Miyagi'd. Absolutely. <laughs> it feels like that. Yes. It feels like we are being Miyagi'd. So I yeah. genuinely love that. Yeah. So Lebohang, is there a resource that you use every day for your property um, education or that you use once a week, once a month that you can refer people to? Oops, yeah. Um, what I normally do is that I try and keep up with podcasts that talks about property. And then mm. I try also learn from a various number of, it's not only about property. I have to understand that I have to be in check with regards to budget preparation, tracking my mm. budget and ensuring that if I want to be investing in something, I start planning mm. for it. I save for it. How am I going to finance it? How, what are the options that are available regarding financing that particular development? And then just mm. basically 
learning never stops and the more you do you will not lose out so yeah for me mm-hmm. it's actually i i love those podcasts and there's other ones that are also talking about property in south africa i mean i've listened to the podcast that you have talked about and they when you were sharing about the issues of the spluma and other things in your country mm-hmm. and i got to appreciate to say hang on basically if this is what is happening in other countries this means when yeah. you want to be investing in those you need to be very well vested around yes. buying a certain property with that if you don't know you'll think that it's a bargain when in actual effect it's too good to be true so yeah. yes <laughs> like as you said that you'll think it's a bargain i'm thinking of like you know when people like i prayed and i received <laughs> and sometimes it looks like a prayer answered absolutely yeah so i get you when you say that So why did you say yes to coming on this podcast what is your intention and you can say anything you can literally i mean people come on this podcast and they get funding they get a collaborate they start collaborating with people so say exactly what it is that you want and then what um and how can people get hold of you Okay I think I came in here because I wanted to inspire other people to also know that when you want to be going into your property journey you can start small mm-hmm. um and learning from others the learnings that I'm sharing I'm hoping they can be able to help somebody else not repeat the mistakes that I've made and mm-hmm. obviously it gives the opportunity for us to be able to understand that you can actually make it if you start putting your mind and thoughts to it and then just practicing consistently what you need um i think for me what i think i will get um i believe i I'll, i'll get there with with the development of the property that i want at the moment i'm not yet at a stage where i would say i want funding from a particular person or from a, a particular mm-hmm. um maybe bank or something but i'm i'm definitely constantly working on that to be able to see what options do i have that are in place so that i can be able to to see what works better for me so Yeah, mm-hmm. I think for me that that is that is it. Thanks. Awesome. And how can people get hold of you? Um how do people get to see the guest house and book okay. if they in Botswana? Yes, we have a Facebook page for the guest house. It's called Sun BNB. S U N and then B N B is one word. Um okay. it's situated in Pakalani for those who want to view us we are available on facebook and our booking line or contact number is plus 2677347184 so yeah Great. we look forward to seeing some of the, your your listeners from the podcast coming through over and having a stay with us and then just giving us feedback on how we can best give them better service and do things better yeah so thank you very yeah. much for the opportunity yeah Oh, thank you so much for coming through and thank you so much property magicians for tuning in. We actually as we're recording this podcast episode in another hour we are going to be having a class with Leroy Slava in the property magician stockpile. So <laughs> Levo mentioned it our guest yesterday uh, our guest last week Goli mentioned the stockpile yeah. if you want to be part of the stockpile as you can see these are incredible property investors and they are part of the stockpile and on board do check it out at wealthy-money.com forward slash stockpile again 
wealthy-money.com forward slash Stockfell. Stockfell is spelled S-T-O-K-V-E-L. If you are based in South Africa, Swaziland, Namibia, and Lesotho, you can join the Property Magician Stockfell by simply going to Petal Search on Huawei, going to Google Play, and going to iStore and downloading Stockfeller. The Stockfeller app is S-T-O-K-F-E-L-L-A. Again, S-T-O-K-F-E-L-L-A. And joining us on there, just look for Property Magician Stockfell. But again, if you're not based in these four countries, as you hear, Lebo is based in Botswana, and she is a very invested in the Stockfell. She, uh, you can just go to the web address that I gave you, and you can join us. We are on a mission to uh, gen- uh, to own 250 million rand worth of income generating assets in South Africa. That's 17 million US dollars so that we can create generational wealth collectively. So we look forward to seeing you guys on the stock file level. I will definitely see you in another hour after this recording. Property magicians until next week. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening, Property Magicians. My name is Vangilia Makwakwa, and I am your host on the show. I help people heal their ancestral money stories so that they can fall in love with their bank accounts, become financially free, and live their best lives. So if you would love to increase your income, or you'd love to pay off your debts and increase your savings, contact me. You can contact me on the Wealthy Money website at wealthy-money.com. Again, wealthy-money.com. Or you can email me at vangile at wealthy-money.com. Again, vangile at wealthy-money.com. Find me on Facebook on the Wealthy Money group or on the Wealthy Money page, or find me on Twitter and Instagram as Vangile Makwakwa. Now over to my co-host. Thank you for listening. I am Dr. Miranda Prop Doc, Doc Mum on all the social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm the host of Property Magicians Podcast and I'm a property mentor. I mentor newbie property investors to help them to begin and to take action. Your journey into property investment begins with me from property registration, from property company registration to picking the correct strategy that suits where you are at. Find me on my inbox at Miranda at wealthy-money.com. Again, inbox me at Miranda at wealthy-money.com if you want me to help you start your property journey.